This episode is brought to you by Evermill. Evermill makes the world's most elegant spice rack that features text-to-refill organic spices in compostable packets, as well as a suite of kitchen products that help you cook so you can focus on sharing meals with the ones you love. This episode is brought to you by Equipped. Equipped is a modern luxury fitness brand that creates stylish, compact, portable, and versatile fitness equipment that will inspire you to move anytime, anywhere, whether you have half a minute or half an hour. Stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Lee Green, and welcome back to the show today. This is episode 131. I've got an awesome interview for you today with Yanni Huffnagel, the founder and CEO of Lemon Perfect. Lemon Perfect is a great tasting flavored lemon water with zero sugar and no artificial flavors or sweeteners. Powered by organic lemons, Lemon Perfect contains electrolytes from potassium and is packed with vitamin C, making healthy hydration more refreshing than ever. Yanni shares his story from being a college basketball coach to launching his first startup, Lemon Perfect. We talk about how the name Lemon Perfect came to him while on a street in Paris, why he almost hired a CEO, but then decided against it in the last moments before signing the contract, and how he keeps the energy in his organization higher than ever, and his team either sprinting or resting, but nothing in between. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to click subscribe, tell all of your friends, leave us a review, and check us out on stairwaytoceo.com. Hi, Yanni. How are you doing today? I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. I love Lemon Perfect. I'm a huge fan. So is my toddler son, who's obsessed with the yellow caps. Can't miss it in the store. No, that's amazing. That gives me great joy, and that's adorable. And we tried to create packaging that was a fashion show on the shelf or or in a cooler or on display. And we didn't anticipate it being such a hit with young kids, but uh, but that's a nice nice thing as well. He's in that phase. He's like 16 months. So he likes to take on and off lids of anything. And the fact that it's bright yellow, he's just constantly like yelling for it. Like once that bottle out of all the others. Wow. And it is like a fashion show. I love a good fashion show and it's beautiful packaging and really great products. So I'm super excited to hear your story in building Lemon Perfect, especially since you basically started as like a, a men's basketball coach turned founder. Like we don't get that very often. I'm like a model turned founder, which is like crazy enough. So I love that you come from like a totally different background than a lot of founders and, and CEOs that I have on the show. Well, that's awesome too. And, and certainly a non-traditional path for me to entrepreneurship, but 
what I've learned is that the skill set is transferable, right? And and you know, we're still coaching a team today, or I'm still coaching a team today. It's a bigger team. We've got 72 incredible people at Lemon Perfect. And when I was coaching college basketball, we had a team of 13, right? Scholarship players. So a bigger team and our team is growing fast, but uh, I have found that uh, when you're building a business against a scoreboard every day, which we are, right? It's the scoreboard business beverages. And that's what college basketball was or what basketball is, right? I mean, you're coaching team and you're going and you're competing every, every day, you know, and, and ultimately there's, there's one winner that walks off the floor. And, and for us, you know, we talk about the concept of being the last team standing here all the time. So there are a lot of parallels and we can get into them over the course of this episode. Yeah, I can, I can feel the competitive nature already, which I love. And you're right. The time ticks as soon as launch happens or even before then. And I think a lot of founders kind of forget that you're on the scoreboard. There's a scoreboard. There's a visible, invisible scoreboard <laughs> that's happening. Yeah, well, for us, Lee, it's a visible scoreboard. It's the first thing Maybe that you internally. see. Maybe internally. Do you feel like it's yeah. internal? Yeah. Yeah, but, but the, the first thing that you see or that anyone sees when you walk in our office is the scoreboard. I mean, what, we- What kind of scores do you have up there? Gross revenue. I mean, we, we listen, we- we bonus our entire organization on one number, and that's our gross revenue number. The leadership team has a little bit of a different structure, but our sales managers and regional sales managers and, and the bulk of our organization, we prioritize going up against one number, right? And, and that's our revenue plan, our top line revenue plan for the year. And we're, we are not shy about making sure that our people know where we are versus the number. So much of what we do is predicated on sales. Right? I mean, it's, that's what, I mean, that's the business, right? And so, so I want our people to know, our team to know where we stand. And so, yeah, it's a, you know, 40 inch EV. That transparency is amazing. A lot of, cause a lot of founders and CEOs keep that hidden from their team. Obviously, maybe not leadership team, right? But you know what I'm saying. There's no scoreboard with their revenue on it. Yeah. Look, there are a lot of numbers below the headline number that only our leadership team sees, right? We would never show, you know, a, a full PL or a bottom line number, but we have fun chasing, you know, chasing sales. And and what I will say though is that there is no scoreboard when you're first starting, right? So for me, you know, the lights on the scoreboard didn't come on until month, what, 18 of this journey, right? So for the first 18 months, there actually is no scoreboard and you're just alone. You know, for me, I was a single founder, right? You're alone with your thoughts and there's no scoreboard. There's no measuring stick except for you wake up the next day and put one foot in front of the other, right? Because there's as many, you know, entrepreneurs know, I mean, unimaginable darkness when you're trying to go from, you know, from zero to one at the, at the outset. It's lonely. It's tough. You're dealing with a lot of opinions and yeah, it's tough to break through the noise in your own head and with people around you sometimes if you're not around the right supportive people. So before we kind of dive through and, and kind of talk more about Lemon Perfect, I'd love to kind of start with you and your personal journey and your background. So where are you from originally and what was it like growing up? What kind of kid were you? Grew up in Scarsdale, New York in Westchester County. 
You know, I, I would tell you I was a coach from early on. When I was six or seven, I would take, there were, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar, but uh, there was something called starting lineups. So like NBA basketball players that were little figurines and I took them and I went underneath the covers and I played five on five and I was coaching one team or coaching the other team, right? So yeah, I was a coach early. But where did you get this idea? Like, did you have a coach in the family or were you playing sports and admired your coach? Like, where did this kind of, I want to be like this come from? Yeah, I, I have no idea. You know, I, my parents put me in sports, so I played everything early. And, you know, I, I don't know. I guess it was just, you know, innate. Like, you know, you have these players and you, you kind of have to kind of build a team and you, you know, you put them on underneath the covers and because you realize that's not normal right yeah well there there are listen there are a lot of things about me that are not normal so um, that's why you're you know, a founder that be the first that that's the first glimpse in but you know I, to be honest i mean for the first you know up through really my last few years in high school I, I was i was very shy i was introverted and maybe not in uh the best physical shape you know in my early teenage years and then you know, made a commitment to fitness. I was playing uh, lacrosse and and being recruited to play lacrosse in college. And, and so I made a real commitment to taking care of my body for the first time and, and saw a, a real transformation there. And that's, that's when I, I really became fascinated with health and wellness products for the first time. And that fascination has carried on, you know, for the next, you know, 20 years and it's probably a big reason why I chose to leave college basketball and start Lemon Perfect. But went to Cornell. I was a. I ended up becoming a student manager with the men's basketball team, and and that experience. I parlayed that experience into. So hold on. You studied. You studied at Cornell, or you started your coaching career at Cornell. I played lacrosse at Penn State my freshman year, so I was recruited to go play lacrosse at Penn State. Penn State is a really big school, <laughs> huge. Great place, awesome experience. Lacrosse practice starts in early February and early February or February in State College PA is uh, when you're practicing outside, it can be an unkind place. And and I, I had a, a string of a couple of bad practices. And What do you mean by that? What's a string of bad practices mean? Where I didn't play well, right? You know, you know, and... Uh, and listen, that was a high, that, that team, we finished 13th in the country that year. So really high level. I had a good year. I was on the man down unit. And, and so played a little bit, but you know, I, I listen, just a few, you know, anyone can have a few bad practices. And I went back to my dorm one night and, and I, 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 kid, I applied to Cornell and I applied to Penn as a transfer. Was this because you were kind of like not feeling the lacrosse piece and you're like, this is not a good school for me right now. I want to switch transfer schools or like, why did those practices mean that you were going to look for another college to go to? You know, anything that I do or do like, you know, if there's a chance to upgrade, you know, and, and, and put yourself in maybe a better environment, you have to look at it. And so nothing against Penn State, but you have an opportunity to go to an Ivy League school. You you, you take a look at it, but it, it was, listen, it, it applications were they weren't that difficult to fill out literally I think it was one night and I got into Cornell I did not get into Penn uh those were the two schools that I applied to really I just I mean literally just hey and uh I think part, part of that might have been I got an interview an in-person interview at Cornell I did not get one at Penn 
And so <laughs> I don't know, I guess in the room, I did a good job and, and, uh, and ended up getting in and then look, I, I had a good academic year. And, and to be honest, like I, I didn't even think about the applications after I submitted them. And then like, you know, two months later, I got the letter from Cornell and I was like, Oh my, you know, and so, so I did it. And, and then, uh, was, was, you know, going to go play lacrosse there. Um, I got in without lacrosse, but I was going to go play lacrosse. And then my first week I was in the weight room and, uh, one of the assistant men's basketball coaches was in there as well. And, and we got to talking and he's like, my God, you know, I love your enthusiasm, your love of basketball. Would you like to come be a manager for us, a student manager for us? And I got cut from my varsity high school basketball team going to my junior year. I ended up the next day in the principal's office asking if we could broadcast the games on the local access TV network. And, and, and I did that for two years and played so I have a question though, because if you were kind of a kid already having this like coach passion or mentality, which I was like, that's not normal. Cause normally I feel like kids might be wanting to be the player that scores the goal or something, but you were kind of being the coach in your imagination, in your play as a kid. And so I'm wondering, like, wouldn't coaching kind of follow you? Did you already have this interest before this opportunity even came up? Maybe tacitly, you know, but, but again, I was focused on playing lacrosse and, you know, then, you know, one conversation and I'm mopping sweat off the floor at Newman arena at Cornell for the basketball team. And yeah. And then from there on, you know, then I, I get a summer internship with the New Jersey Nets before they moved to Brooklyn and, and, and built a great relationship with the head coach um, who's now the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Clippers, Lawrence Frank. And, he took great care of me and the video coordinator at the Nets at the time was coach Capel's graduate assistant. When coach Capel was at Virginia Commonwealth, uh, coach Capel had just gotten the job at Oklahoma as the head coach there, Ryan Kruger, who was the video coordinator at the Nets made a call to coach Capel and said, you know, I, I think there's someone that you should look at. And, you know, I was 23 at the time and, and, uh, I went out to interview at Oklahoma and on the way back to the airport, coach Capel offered me the job and, you know, then, then that spurred, you know, 10 years coaching college basketball. Yeah. Was that your kind of first job or did you have any other jobs before that? Just like before, or during college? I was a bartender in New York one summer carrying kegs, you know, up and down those stairs. I'll never forget them. What stairs? What bar was this? It was a bar called Down the Hatch in the West Village in Manhattan. So I was a bar back and uh, you talk about having to toughen up. But uh, when I was at Cornell, I, I was a personal trainer for a few hours here and there at the local gym. But other than that, no, I mean, my opportunity at Oklahoma was, was my first one. When I was going through the process of trying to figure out where I would go, I did interview with an investment bank in their fixed income division and, uh, I got to the final round of interviews and when they actually put some, some real substance behind the process, I didn't make it through, but no, it all worked out in the end and had an incredibly rich experience in Norman. My first day as a graduate assistant, my first day of summer school was Blake Griffin's uh, first day of his freshman year summer school. And I remember seeing Blake and his brother Taylor on the practice floor and, and ran upstairs. And I called my mom. I said, mom, I think this is going to work out very, very well. So uh, we had a great run, uh, two NCAA tournaments, go to the elite eight, 
our second year and and Blake and Taylor are dear friends to this day and significant investors, uh, Lemon Purple. That's awesome. And so when you look back at your childhood and kind of growing up, and I, I don't think I've asked this, but what did, what did your parents do? Did you have any siblings? Like what was the family dynamic? And looking back, was there anything entrepreneurial about your, your childhood? Like, are there things you can point to to say, actually, that was really entrepreneurial of me as a kid. And I didn't even know it at the time. My dad is an ophthalmologist. Uh, my mom was an attorney. She got out when we were in high school to really focus on on us two brothers, and both of my brothers are very involved with with the business today, which is which is exciting and incredible. My middle brother, he's in private equity, serves on our board, incredibly bright and tough, um, and has been such a value add. Um, not only taking care of me, but making sure that I'm in check. Uh, and a great fiduciary of our of our capital, and then my youngest brother is my special assistant. So it's it's a great source of joy for my mom and dad as we go and build this. That the family is really involved in such a such a meaningful way. Uh, there's not a day that goes by where I don't uh, speak with my mom and dad. I mean, that's a big thing for me. Um, even if it's thirty seconds, we try. We try hard. Was I entrepreneurial? The answer is yes in a lot of ways. And I could just start yelling and screaming all the things, but I think I might've been early here, but I tried to start an online lottery. I owned the domain name emegabucks.com, but it was, you know, this is 1997, 98. I mean, this is, it was just, I was early to the ticket game, but I, every summer I'd go to the U S open and there, this is back when you had paper tickets and, and I was, I mean, at, 14, 15 years old, scalping tickets, right? Buying tickets and reselling them on the boardwalk there, right by the, the seven train. You know, I won the investment challenge uh, my junior year in high school, big national investment competition by buying out of the money calls, you know, and and taking some risk. And, and, and you know, that was like when the stock market roaring. I mean, this is like 99, 2000. I would walk around on, on Friday and Saturday nights. I, I, I didn't necessarily party. I was at the parties with the blackjack table, right? I felt that we would literally roll out. And I think all the girls at Scarsdale High School were upset a few weeks in because all the guys would be playing blackjack, right? At people's houses. So yes, uh, the answer is uh, entrepreneurial minded, uh, nothing that had the addressable market of what we're building now, but but I've always, you know, I've, I've, I've been a little bit of a risk taker and a gambler and, and, um, you know, and, and certainly a lot of that is manifested with, with what we're doing today. Absolutely. So what was the aha moment? Where were you? What were you doing? What, what, what's the story of realizing that this is what you wanted to build? This is the product you wanted to create. You know, my last year coaching, I was at the university of Nevada in Reno. Then the short story is, a friend of mine wrote a book on the ketogenic diet. And in the back of Matt's book were all these sample meal plans. And every day started by drinking organic lemon water, right? And I was searching a little bit at the time. And I said, Matt, I'm A through Z, let's do it, right? There's one Whole Foods in Reno. And it's like, buy the organic lemon, cut the lemon, squeeze the lemon, juice all over, bland taste. I mean, Lee, most mornings, I just threw my hands up in the air. I said, there has to be a better way. And uh, fast forward, I said, uh, hold on you know, can we make this more flavorful? 
that was really the the seed of the journey, if you will. It was really this intersection of of flavor that's also good for you. And how do we get there? And the idea just stuck with me for a minute, right? I mean, remember, this is at the time you had in enhanced water, you had vitamin water, you had buy. I mean, you had, you know, you had big brands and and I'm I'm in Santa Monica at the end of the season, uh, having lunch with a friend and uh John, very entrepreneurial friend. And John said, I love it, right? He said, anything that you can do that can capture a piece of someone's daily routine, what they do in the morning when they first get up, what they do at night when they go to sleep, or any point B, C, D, E in between is worth going for. And I jumped up, Lee. I said, my God, I've got it, right? Like, I only knew lemon water as a morning drink, right? Like, the, the, that's, I said, this is, the, I only, that's how, I, and I said, we're going to go build the morning drink. And that night from John's couch in Santa Monica, I Googled, how do you start a beverage company? And uh, this was uh, summer of 2017, May, May of 2017. I registered the domain name Lemon Perfect June 13th, 2017. So I consider that really day one. And, you know, at the time I said, I'm going to take one year off and see if we can do something here. Right. And, and uh, I'll tell you, the first couple of months, I was. I mean, half my day I spent calling, you know, college coaches, seeing if they had a spot on their staff because I left Nevada. And, but, you know, we we just, or I just put one foot in front of the other. How'd you come up with the name Lemon Perfect? I mean, and it's great that you got the .com, right? But like, what was what were some of the other names that maybe you played with and how did you land on Lemon Perfect? There was nothing good. And that was a fight for me. It's really hard to, to, come up with a name you're stuck with it forever i mean <laughs> it's everything right i mean you're yeah. ip i mean that is the moat that you have and yeah. without a name i mean like you've got you don't have anything and i struggled i really did i i i, I struggled so you know my dad is from france i hadn't had a chance because i was coaching to really take a trip over there and and we went uh we were having drinks at the Peninsula Hotel in Paris. And we walked out. I'll tell you, this is a true story. The name just came to me on a street corner in Paris. And, you know, I was somewhat obsessed. I, I didn't realize it's not really, it is. I mean, it's a it's an important property. But I was so obsessed on being able to own the .com of the name. So, you know, that was a challenge. But when I went to go register Lemon Perfect, on GoDaddy.com, eleven ninety six or whatever it was, on a street corner in Paris from my iPhone. Now remember, this is two thousand seventeen, so data wasn't like it is today, right? I mean, this was like it was probably five minutes to see the next screen come, right? Like, congratulations, you've registered your domain name. But that was that was at the time when Perfect Bar was scaling really violently, and and I was you know I, I was in Whole Foods a lot looking at brands and, and they had big presence. So maybe that was in my mind, you know, wanting to put lemon in the name was really important to me. And so, and so I think that kind of merging of lemon and perfect, maybe, but it, it has been, um, op- look, I mean, the, the, the IP of, of lemon perfect, um, has probably been as big of a driver of our business. And so, um, you know, and, and then, then once I had that, then then I was able to dig in and say, okay, let's go figure out what this is going to, you know, what's the first, you know, formula and and not that that was an easy process. It was once we found the right 
you know, person, but first beverage scientist to, to help me. But yeah, 2017, summer of 17. So we're a little over five years into the journey and took over two years to get product to shelf. So, and even that itself, and we can get into that was a false start. We launched as a, as a keep refrigerated item. And, and I realized very early on that, that that was like driving a really nice car down a one lane road in the middle of the night that was going to crash. Um, so we ended up pivoting and, and going shelf stable. And that's now allowed us to really open every door or at least knock on every door. And, and we're walking through a lot of them. One of the things about the product that I, you know, maybe this is so obvious for everybody else, but I think I didn't realize how much vitamin C is in lemon, <laughs> you know, cause you're taught your whole life in the States that, you know, oranges have all of the vitamin C, right? I mean, it's, and so when you think of a lemon, I don't, it's like a big question mark, like how much vitamin C compared to an orange, blah, blah, blah. But these drinks that you have, it's like insane vitamin C. It's just, it, and then the electrolytes and all these things, it's like, I never really thought of lemons being so healthy. I, I agree that morning routine to me, it's always been a lemon in a warm drink, you know, instead of having tea, it's just like hot lemon water in the morning to kind of like detox your body for the day or from the night. But yeah. So how did you go about kind of thinking through the different flavors and launching? Like, what was your launch strategy trying to get this off the ground? There were no skews. There were no flavors, right? Lemon Perfect was what just lemon is, which, and we'll, we're, we're actually soon moving the name to Original Lemon to really honor kind of the, the start of Lemon Perfect. And so many people call it the original. So like, we're excited to make that change. For me, it was number one was win on taste. Like that was number one for me. I, I, I want, it, it's very important. Every decision that we make, it's how do you win on what we call main street USA, right? Main street America, America at large craves flavor. Right. And so that is, that was the first thing that I thought about was we have to create a product that's delicious and refreshing that hits on relevant consumer trends, right. That is on trend. Really, for me, like that was the that was the start, and then everything else was below it, right? Like I knew that we wanted great flavor with zero sugar, okay? Like so, that was the thesis, and then how many points of familiar functionality can we put below that, right? So, vitamin C, electrolytes from potassium, like those, right? And, and but great flavor, good for you, and so. You know, that's how it started. And to be honest, after I found the right beverage scientist, Marty Molina at Ocean Blue Innovation, and uh, shout out to Kathy Lamb, who was the original woman on Marty's team. And Marty has done all of our, all of our flavor work from day one. One revision of the original formula. We actually reduced the sweetness a little bit, but now we sit here with a product that is incredibly innovative in a stale category, Lee. And, that, and that's what I, I knew I wanted to do was, was you know, disrupt the beverage ecosystem that is still today largely dominated by high calorie, high sugar options. And we've done that, right? We have delivered great flavor with no sugar. Our product is squeezed from a real fruit that's unlike anything in the water aisle. Today, we're plastic neutral, uh, which is first in the category. Very, very proud of that. 
What does that mean for people that don't know what that is? Yeah. So for every bottle that we produce, we take that amount of plastic material out of the environment. So it is an incredibly ambitious. We work with, uh, they're called Repurpose Global. It's the agency that is now certifying products to be plastic neutral. And we are, they work some terrific brands, but we're the first water brand. And so this is an endeavor. I mean, this is going to be millions of dollars of investment for us. It's a one for one. So this is not a, you know, like this is not a, let's go clean, you know, let's do an ocean cleanup on one. Like that's not what this is. This is, you know, if we put one pound of resin material into the, into the environment or not into the environment, if we sell a bottle, okay, we are taking that bottle out of an ocean as part of a large and ambitious task. And so look, I mean, you can do the math. I mean, we're, we're going to sell, you know, we're, we're going mean, to call it 30 million bottles this year. Right. So that's a lot of material and, and we're very, very proud to be, you know, a plastic neutral brand, but beyond that, I mean, we're organic, right. Non-GMO gluten-free vegan. So we, we really, I mean, and, but at the core of it all, Lee, it's, it's, it, we have zero sugar in our product. And so much of the destruction of health in America is not because of what people eat. It's because of what people drink. It's hard to eat five hamburgers. It is not hard to love 7-Eleven, but it's not hard to have a big gulp. Goes down, boom, boom. So, you know, and think about, think about that. I mean, high sugar, high calorie beverage is easy to drink, right? And so- My whole thing is we are delivering real innovation to a stale enhanced water category. But even beyond that, you know, we think that flavor knows no boundaries. And for us to be able to deliver that flavor in a way that's also good for you, right? Genuinely good for you. I mean, if we consider hydration to be the foundational bedrock of good health, right? And 75% of America right now, whether it's out there or out where you are, is walking around chronically dehydrated. You know, so much of our bodies is water and yet we don't drink enough of it. Yeah, it's boring. It's hard. It's hard to keep up. I mean, you just basically have to drink water every 30 seconds. I just wanted to ask you, because you guys have grown so much. TechCrunch, I think, and said something around you've got a $100 million valuation. You guys have grown enormously fast. I think the competitive nature you have as a culture obviously is something to say there, obviously. But there was a, a viral video from 2020 with uh, Beyonce that I think is really funny and something maybe you want to mention. Like, how did that happen? Can you kind of tell the story? Beyonce found our product and I, without knowing anything about me or anyone else at Lemon Burger, it was as organic as as it could be. 2020 Grammy Awards at Clive Davis's pre-Grammy gala, she wore this gorgeous, the stunning, gorgeous red red dress. And in the limousine, when she was taking, there were you know obviously people took pictures of in the limousine behind Beyonce was actually here it is. It was a perfectly faced bottle of dragon fruit mango which (laughs) matched her dress and that was a complete accident you're saying that her doing that picture with that product just happened to be there that was not a product placement situation 
No, I mean, Lee, I, so I woke up the, so the next day, she posted on her Instagram, all the pictures from the night before. And all of a sudden my phone blows up and I was living in, in Hermosa beach at the time. So um, it was early and my phone just hundreds. Did you see, did you see Beyonce? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I didn't see what, you know, and they're like her Instagram, her Instagram. And I'm looking at, you know, the first image had nothing. There was no lemon perfect. Right. And then someone's like scroll. Right. And literally it was like the sixth image on her carousel and the bottle was perfectly placed. You know, I was like, you know, Oh my God. And unfortunately this is January of 2020. We had no distribution. So, uh, and you couldn't get the product on Amazon or we had no dot com site. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So we weren't able to really capitalize. I mean, it's to this day, actually, it's still the second biggest search of Lemon Perfect on Google. The day that she made the investment in Lemon Perfect is the first, but literally, you know, it just goes to show her her reach um and her celebrity and her fandom. How did it go from that picture to her becoming an investor? I can't get into specifics. We tried to, you know, track her team down and unsuccessfully. And then a, a year or so later, you know, that bridge was built and it led to an investment conversation and, um, and Beyonce, you know, became a, a key investor for us in our series A. And we're just so grateful for, for her enthusiasm, genuine enthusiasm for the product. You know, she's very aligned with our mission of delivering healthy hydration and the joy of flavor to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When was the last time you looked in your spice drawer? If you're like me, you probably have to look at it every time you cook, which is a lot. And it looks like a complete disaster. Different size seasonings, different brands, it's a mess and totally uninspiring. That's until I discovered Evermill, the most beautiful and inspiring spice rack I've ever seen. And it looks gorgeous both on your countertop for everyone to see and compliment, or it looks great in your spice drawer too. Not to mention, they send you refills and compostable packets that you can get delivered delivered straight to your door simply by sending a text message. So if you're looking for an amazing gift idea, you have to check it out. They also just released two new products, a white marble salt well and an aluminum pepper mill, perfect for the person who you think has everything. You can get 15% off by using the promo code stairway15 on evermill.com. That's 15% off site-wide for the first time ever using the code stairway15 at evermill.com. Do you struggle to find time to go to the gym or even just work out at home somehow? What about the ugly weights you're probably hiding in your closet or under your bed? Out of sight, out of mind. Am I right? Meet Equipped, a female-founded luxury fitness brand with a no-pressure approach to movement that creates gorgeous weights that look so good, you can place their U-shaped weight called the U-bar on your coffee table and your friends will probably think it's a new art piece. Or if you're on the go, just throw on their U-wrap super stylish vegan leather ankle weights so that you can get a little workout in while running your errands in style. Featured in everything from Vogue to the Financial Times, Equipped makes it easier to move through life. And if you're 
you're looking for a great gift idea this holiday season, you can get 20% off on equippedmovement.com using the promo code STAIRWAY20. That's 20% off luxury fitness equipment using the code STAIRWAY20 on equippedmovement.com. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. So what has fundraising been like for you guys? I mean, obviously that's a big win. Congratulations. And you guys, I think have raised around like 42 million. What has the process been like for you? What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs who are looking to maybe raise their first or second round? You know, what has your experience been fundraising, especially coming from non-traditional background? I know for myself as a solo founder, raising money, raising capital from investors, it, it, it can be really challenging. You know, I, I'm I'm fortunate in that it's it's been a major investment of time. Uh, it has not been challenging. And you think that's because of your growth, or what do you attribute that to? In food and beverage, every so often there's a brand that emerges that has billion dollar upside, an addressable market size that is far reaching. And I've been fortunate in that I've been able to tell that story really from day one. And I've never sold Lemon Perfect, not one time. I present our vision and I put our chips on the table and we go from there. That's what sales kind of is though, right? Like that's what I think is kind of funny. I think sales is, it does not, it's not being the used car salesman, right? Like that's like this overly sales thing that no one wants to be part on either sides. No one wants to be that guy. No one wants to be on the other side of that sales pitch, right? But what you're saying where you're like, I just delivered my vision. I had that story to tell. That's, that's what the sales pitch is all about. I don't call it sales, right? I, I call it presenting vision. So you know, I've never sent one outbound email on uh, investment opportunity. Every, I mean, from my first meeting was a hard no, and my second meeting was a yes. And at that second meeting, the investor that I met with said, I love this. Let me check with my wife. He called me later that night. He said, my wife loves it. My kids love it. And I want you to go talk to Joe, my friend who might want to invest. And then, you know, I met Joe who introduced me to Mike who, introduced, you know, and, and, you know, we, we tried our pre-seed round when there was nothing. I mean, I was walking around New York, walking, running around New York with four ounce bottles that I was filling, you know, uh, out of a half gallon jug from, you know, I was getting the bottles on amazon.com running around and it had to be kept cold at the time. So I'm like, I've got, I've got a cooler that's leaking literally. I mean, in the stores we, we tried, or I tried to raise, I had no idea what we needed. So the first instrument was a, a safe with a $650,000 target. And uh, within a few weeks, we ripped that up. Then we tried to raise a million, ripped that up, um, or said we were gonna raise a million. We ended up raising 1.2595 in that first pre-seed financing, 40 investors, smallest check, $5,000, largest check, four $100,000 checks. That allowed us to make $1.2595 million worth of mistakes, um, but also able to prove product market fit enough, right? So we launched in Bristol Farms in Southern California. Yeah, really supported those stores. It was 12 at the time. Then Erewhon came on board and then uh, Lazy Acres. And so that group of stores really powered Lemon Perfect at the beginning. We said, we're going to be a mile, you know, a mile, mile deep and an inch wide and, 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 
and really support really support the the product early on and 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 we did we were able to prove uh prove out product market fit almost from the start Lee you know I mean we had blown out shelves right away we were demoing in the stores we were running around I mean but just me at the time I had a fractional demo team great advisors around me early on uh which was awesome and and game changing for us uh, Dan Morad and Robert Alshiller from Critical Mass Group. They're a beverage incubator in Southern California. We've raised, yeah, we've raised $41 million in the time since and, and you know, continue to believe that the investment opportunity in the business, and we might only be one more, you know, diluted round of capital away from being done, which is incredible, right? The enthusiasm from the investor community as we've scaled the business has been fervent and uh we're, we're grateful listen we with our own people every single person here is an owner in the business we have over 400 entities on the cap table and so you know you have a lot of people with upside and a lot of believers a lot of people that wake up every day they put yellow face paint on right wear our jersey i mean how cool is that and i would put our investor community up against anyone i mean they have been just so incredible have really you know driven this thing in an unimaginable way Without them, we wouldn't be where we are, uh, which is, you know, really the chance to wake up every day and, and dream in the biggest way possible uh, that we can really disrupt an entire beverage ecosystem. So if fundraising wasn't very challenging, what is something that has been enormously challenging for you? Because building a business is hard. There's always ups and downs probably every day. What's something that you didn't expect? Maybe something that was a tough lesson you had to learn the hard way. I think just having the perseverance to keep going. That's hard, right? Like that's really, really, really hard. We ran out of money once, right? Like imagine waking up and having negative $8,000 in the bank. That was, that was after we had raised our second round. Not because there wasn't enthusiasm for Lemon Perfect at the time. It was just I just, I was trying to run the business, you know, and, and then the next thing, you know, like we were a little bit late, you know, getting organized and you had like a 15% downward movement in the public markets and, you know, everyone gets spooked out a little bit. Right. And, and so this was at the beginning of COVID-19. So what did you do? You had like negative $8,000 in the bank account. What happened from there? You woke up that morning and drank some lemon perfect. And then what? We got a check for $300,000 that day. The first check came in. I It was just, but it's one of those. It's like, God, if, if I'm not going to name the investor, but if, if, if he doesn't write the check or if the check doesn't, the wire doesn't come, we're, it, it, like who knows, right? I think we had 13 people at the company at the time. And so- And that's happened. That has happened. There are founders that have lost their business because investors back out. Yeah. And and, and look, we're, we're no one's ever backed out. No, no one's ever backed out. That was a crazy time, Lee. Uh, you're talking about February, March, 2020. We had incredible momentum in the business, but it was the third, We had, it was now we were raising the third safe, right? So now this was the third safe that we were stacking on top of. And we felt like we just had the bridge to get to our series A. We were trying to get through that summer. And so the original target was, let's go raise $2.2 million. And... We, we got a few checks in the door and then everything stopped for a minute, right? I mean, like early March, I think March 11th, everything stopped. And, you know, it's incredible. You get this 
massive V-shaped recovery. I mean, fast, right? And so over the four months, you know, from the the low in the S&P until through June, we ended up raising $6.6 million because what ended up happening was the business took off. We had just launched. We launched on Amazon, right? We launched in Whole Foods in Southern California, Southern Pacific. And then we launched in Whole Foods in the Northeast. And you had a run on everything, right? So everyone's buying every kind of water imaginable. And here's like the last thing left in the store is Lemon Perfect. And people are buying that. So, you know, like between Amazon and that, you know, consumer behavior, we were able to tell an incredible story. We signed uh, Big Geyser and they were our first distributor, uh, a powerful distributor in New York and Louis Hirschwitz and Jerry Rita really believed in us. And so that was good momentum. But yeah, we just, you know, and we haven't looked back since, Lee. I mean, that's now two years ago. So I want to go back to the challenging part because you were talking about how perseverance and, you know, getting through these tough times or just persevering every day with all the roller coaster, that that's something that was has been a challenge for you. So can you tell me kind of how you work through that? What, like what keeps you going? How would you, what advice would you have for other entrepreneurs out there maybe experiencing the same type of challenge? I think for me, there are a couple of reasons I walk out of this door of of my office dead or alive, Lee. Like that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, like there are two ways out. One's in a box and two's with some coins in my pocket. And so I don't have a choice but to be the last team standing flat out. And so as hard as as it's been at times, when you take your first dollar and you make a commitment to bleed out to win well then you just have to figure it out and so i think that's what you just i i have no choice is the answer my back is against the wall if we don't win i'm on a street corner i mean that's that's you know and, and i've just tried to embrace that that mentality and just fight through and then i have the burden of delivering something to the market um that can truly make america and eventually the world a healthier place and I have burden now to our people, right? We have 72 people that count on all of us. And it's important that our people feel like they're on a trampoline of growth every day, every week, every month, every year. So in essence, you know, it's the triality, if you will, of those three burdens, right? One is we have to win. We have to build a business that can drive towards liquidity, right? Or liquidity event. I have to increase shareholder value, right? We have to return for our investors. We have to be a trampoline or a springboard for our people, take care of our people. And then three, we have an obligation to remove millions of pounds of sugar from the American diet, especially in the most underserved communities. And think about that, like as hard as it can be sometimes, how many people get to wake up every day and chase those three things? Or just chase in general something that they're passionate about pursuing. I think every founder, I'm the same way, I'm built the same way. When you have that fire in your belly every morning, that is just something you can't replace with anything. To be able to wake up and do something and be on a mission towards, like you said, you know, taking sugar out of the American's diet. Or I love that you think of your people you know, it's kind of having and providing a trampoline or a springboard. And I also like how you 
kind of communicate the responsibilities of being a founder and CEO. Because I think there's too often when people are reading in the press, it's very glamorized. It's a very, very glamorized role. And you made it, I mean, it's very, it's a very real and it's very um, difficult and challenging. It's the stakes are high. Yeah. And that's what I like, right? Going back to my days dealing blackjack in high school, right? Friday and Saturday nights. This is a high stakes game, right? I mean, it is, this is a high stakes game. We have responsibility to our investors. We have responsibility to our team and we have responsibility to America and the world. This is why I think entrepreneurship is not for everyone, because I don't believe that everyone is really, it's a lot to take on. And I think a lot of people, it's too much to take on for a lot of people. And that's totally fine. That is okay. And it's definitely, you know, it, like I said, I don't think it's, it's, it's just not for everybody. Cause I think a lot of people would feel maybe depressed under that kind of pressure or buckle, or it would freak them out. <laughs> You know, it's a lot. No, for sure. But at the same time, you know, it is, I mean, think about it. You know, an entrepreneur wakes up every morning and they control their own destiny. How many people get to do that, right? And so that's the flip side. And, and you know, for me, if if, if we win, I participate in the, 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 the financial upside, right? I get to be like, you know, the head coach that has a coaching tree and, watch our people go do incredible things at whatever comes next. And then we will have truly impacted millions of people and their health. So like, you know, for me, I mean, that's, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, wake up in the morning and do three cartwheels out of bed and go, um, you know, that's, that's, that's I'm gonna it. Hear, right? I'm going to hear what qualities you think make a great founder CEO, especially from your, your background of coaching. Like what are some of the things that you've taken from being a coach that make you such a great leader that you would kind of, you know, you have this great unique perspective and this background. What do you think makes a great CEO or founder? You gotta, it's all about the people. It, it's, you, you have to be a great hire. You have to be a great recruiter. You have to be a great recruiter. And then you have to be a great culture builder, right? So you have to, you know, bring great talent in the door, right? And then make sure that your people are all pulling the boat in the same direction with uncommon grit. Like that's it, right? Because we have a lot of like acronyms and sayings here. Uh, one of them that, that I like a lot, it's, it's called TH, 10 hands, right? So in basketball, someone puts the ball in the rim, right? In the hoop, that person has two hands, but it actually isn't that person that scored the ball. It's everyone. So it's 10 hands, right? And so like on our Slack channel, one of our, we have something called the yellow board, one of our internal Slack channel. And, you know, you'll see a bunch of stuff that's just tagged TH because when someone built a display in Portland, Oregon, the, the person in Palm Beach, Florida helped build that display. We all build a display, right? And so, so it is truly a one team effort, right? And we don't allow people to put their oar in the water halfway, or we don't allow people to put their oar in the water the whole way, but fake the enthusiasm or fake the effort, right? Think about it. You have a, a canoe, if you will, 
and you put four people in the canoe, right? And four people put their oars in the water. You can't get away with three people rowing hard in one, the boat will go off course. So everyone has to row with the same level of tenacity, right? Everyone here, we have something called the mirror test. We ask our people to go home at night, look in the mirror and ask themselves that they do everything that they could in their working hours to help build Lemon Perfect. And the answer is not going to be yes every night. You know, there are 252 roughly working days a year. Like it's not, you're not going to go 252 for 252, right? We ask that you have more days where you look in that mirror and you say, my God, I couldn't give another drop of sweat or blood for this, you know, for this, for this mission. We don't allow people to walk or run here. We only sprint or rest. That's it. Our people, I, I, I hope, wake up every day with a clear mind and fresh legs. And that's really important, right? Like we do not walk, we do not run, we only sprint and we only rest. And we all know that it takes uncommon grit to run this race. And it's not for everyone. It's not. Like, you know, you can go to our competitors on the shelf and you can work, you know, at a different speed, but you're not going to have the impact or the chance to create real change in the way that Lemon Perfect. You're not going to participate in the upside. And so, look, to answer your question, it's you have to be a great recruiter identify the right talent. It has to fit together, right? Sometimes it's not only talent. How do the pieces of the puzzle fit together? So you have to be a great recruiter, a great evaluator of how people are going to fit together. And then you have to be a great culture builder because you, you want to make sure that you retain great talent. Our attrition is best in, you know, our, our, I mean, we don't lose a lot of people. I mean, you know, three or four people in the last 12 months, like it's, you just don't, which is unheard, unheard of for an emerging food and beverage brand for any company. I mean, you know, we live in a time where people are jumping from one to the next, to the next, to the next, and we, 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 we retain talent. And it's what we're seeing. It's not even about the economics or it's about the, the, the excitement for what can come at the end of the journey. This is really amazing. I'm curious, how do you maintain that level of excitement all the time. Like what are the, what maybe what are some of the tactical things that you do? Do you have like a weekly meeting that you talk about the vision? Do you, you know, what are some of the things? We meet every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern as an entire company. And it is a high energy meeting. I mean, we don't, woo, uh, it's, you know, and everyone participates, right? We highlight people across the country. And then, you know, our leaders invest time with our people. Well, last year I was on the road 150 nights. This year I'm at 105 for the year. So we'll see where, you know, where, where it ultimately plays out. And how do you, how do you build a business? And our, our sales team is fully distributed. So marketing, finance, operations, uh, people cultures here in Atlanta. And then our sales team is fully distributed. But how do you build a business where 80% of your people are fully distributed and then not invest time with them? So I got to get on an airplane and I got to get in the trenches and our people leaders have to do the same thing. And so, cause otherwise I'm like, well, come on. So how often are, is everybody kind of getting together in person in whatever segments, however you segment it? The whole company once a week for 30 minutes. 
you're saying that you travel and that your leadership travels as well to be around the team members. So how often is that happening? We're in, we're on the road every week. I was in Chicago this week. I'll be in Los Angeles next week. New York the week after. Uh, Texas the week after that. So it, it sorry. I think Ohio and Texas the week after that. So so yeah, it's so it's, it's like a prerequisite. If you want to be a leadership team member of Lemon Perfect, you got to be ready to travel. If you're on the sales side of the business, I mean, I don't want our vice president of finance traveling. I don't want our you know, vice president of supply chain. I don't want Neha traveling. I'm the CEO. So I, 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 how could I be authentic in the role and not get out? Right. Um, and then in the four or five days that I'm here out of seven, not out of five, then that's where I invest time with finance operations, marketing. And again, that's just applicable to this business. I mean, I think there are a lot of businesses out there where you're either fully remote and it's not that important or whatever. I mean, but, but I'm going to invest in our people. I mean, that's, I mean, that's number one. I mean, how do you build anything where you require a team and then not invest in those individual parts? Because they got to feel it. You got to feel it in your bones. And when you're around me, I think that it helps. <laughs> it's a little contagious, right? <laughs> your energy is contagious. When you're passionate about something like I am, right? Building Lemon Perfect. I mean, it makes the, the, the quote unquote job of waking up early, getting on an airplane, you know, and I, and I also like, we, we really do. I mean, we prioritize good habits and healthier. I mean, I, I try to sleep eight and a half, sometimes nine hours. We get after it. I try to, you know, get in the gym, you know, five, six days a week. I, 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 you know, I've got cardio equipment in my apartment. Like, so, you know, that's really important. I mean, we, we yell and scream about that all the time. So three questions before we start to wrap up, because I think we're getting to time here. Last time we spoke briefly, you mentioned something about pulling back from hiring a CEO. And so I'm curious, why did you pull back? And what are your thoughts about, you know, taking on a CEO, not taking on a CEO? I think a lot of founders have the same question. Two years ago, a little over two years ago, the business was in a very different place. We were still a produce item, keep refrigerated. We hadn't moved to shelf stable. We were planning on it. We were in process. And I felt like I didn't know beverage. I felt like, like I could not operate the business. I mean, I was at one of my lowest moments because we had some early traction, but I had holes, right? I had holes. I was, listen, th there's no question that, you know, we built something incredible inside the bottle, the packaging, right? Some, but, but as far as an operator of the business, when I felt like I lacked the experience, maybe lacked the experience, right? I coached college basketball. I never had run a business or let alone a beverage business, beverage specifically. And so I had met someone through my network and we got close and I thought he was an excellent operator a super smart guy. And we got to talking. I don't think he was that happy where he was. And I said, you know, would you come here and, and, and run the company? And I will, you know, I'll, I'll go be like our chief brand officer or something like that. Right. I'll continue to, you know, deal with investors and, and, and I'll just focus. And um, Lee, I'll remember the moment forever. Right. I was in 
Dallas, Texas. I mean, this is crazy. You know, he wanted to move to Dallas. And so I, I didn't care. I, I Listen, I would go to Alaska. I would uh, Georgia, California, Maine. Anything if I felt like that was the best for anything. Right, right. So, but I was in Dallas looking at apartments the night before. So he had signed the DocuSign, okay? And I was waiting to sign it for the next morning for whatever or until the next morning for whatever. I mean, it was done, right? Like this was, okay, he, this is it. And I could not sleep. I was at a Spring Hill Suites. I remember like it was yesterday. Zero, slept zero. Woke up in the morning and I went to a snooze AM eatery in Dallas. And I just sat there. It was actually a gorgeous day. And I just sat there and I made the decision. I said, I, I, I'm. I, this is not my time to take myself out of the, you know, out of the seat, out of the chair. And I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go build it, right? Like, I'm going to go make sure I'm going to go hire the right people, but I'm going to continue to make the decisions uh, for the business. And, and, and actually a big, a big point of this location, really the only one was that this candidate wanted to raise the price of Lemon Perfect um, when we went shelf stable. And I wanted to actually lower the price. So we were 249, call it, when we were keep refrigerator, when we were in a produce item. This candidate wanted to raise the price to 299, shelf stable. And I wanted to actually lower the price to 199 because I thought that $2 was the psychological barrier in the category. And really, I've always been about compressing our gross margin story today to build a big share story for tomorrow. And at the beginning, Lee, people looked at me like I had seven or eight or 10 eyes because, because that was crazy. It's all gross margin, gross margin, but who cares? We're not selling the business and it went, it went, after one year, after two years. I want more people drinking Lemon Perfect. I want as many people drinking Lemon Perfect as possible. And because of our capital partners, we're in a position where we can do that. Margin matters. It matters today. It matters tomorrow for us. But that became the point of tension. I couldn't get there. That's a bold move. He signed the DocuSign. He he signed the contract already. And you felt it in your body. And you couldn't sleep. And you're like, this just doesn't feel right. That's incredible that you backed away. I think a lot of founders would be like feeling the pressure. You got this person who's going to be CEO of your company. He's probably got an incredible, impressive background. Like all these people think you're going to go pull the trigger on this and you're just not a hundred percent all in and you listen to your gut and look what happened. It's amazing. That's right. And it, and it, it ended up, uh, I walked down to this little park and I made the phone call. In a cool way, uh, and this is awesome. I mean, we're actually we we there was there was a little you know dislocation for the first couple months, and and, and actually today we're super close. Uh, and he's been a great sense of counsel. Yeah, so uh, and he's gone on to do incredible things. To be honest, I mean, so we had a great guy, great candidate, yeah. just not yeah, the right sure. candidate for Lemon Perfect. The right person to lead this business was me, and and we we've. You know, a couple of months ago, we announced the president and chief revenue officer, Jim Brennan, who's been incredible. Yanni, I just find it so fascinating because you, this kind of in the way that you told that story, it really just sounds like you had this low point 
where you maybe doubted yourself. You started having these like limited beliefs, you these low moments, right? And this almost led to making a mistake, like a really big mistake potentially, because you can be, you are a great CEO and founder, right? I just think that this is such a important piece to hear for the audience, the founders that are out there thinking about launching something, thinking about taking on a CEO, thinking about all these things, confidence and having lack thereof can really mess shit up. <laughs> I think that's everything, right? I think just, and again, like there are going to be moments where your spirit gets broken. And I had those moments. I mean, I would call my mom so many nights crying, like, how do I get back in basketball? Right. And uh, again, but I had already raised capital. I had made a commitment. Hiring a CEO actually was not well received by our investors at the time, uh, the ones that I really counted on and, and that, or, or that I went to. And I thought that was interesting. And here's the thing. Those early investors, they bet on the jockey. And I had to try to cash their ticket. And that was, that was in a lot of ways, really the, the reason why the decision was made. They walked to the window and they put a couple dollars on the, not on the horse, but on the jockey. Did you call them and say, I'm, I'm hesitating. And they were like, don't do it. Like, did you call anybody in those moments or were you kind of in your own? No, I, this was, I, I had a call with my brother and, and, and a few other people the night before, but no, this was, this was from the heart. That's, that's what it came down to. This was, this decision was from my own heart. Well, I'm glad you were able to turn things around inside yourself to make that choice. Yeah. And that's, and again, you know, Lee, for your, for your audience, I would just, you know, I think you probably got a, a, a great number of, of listeners that, that will find themselves, have found themselves in the same spot. And again, it just, you know, you gotta, I think you gotta run the race until you got nothing left. And, and look, there may be, right. I mean, I don't know. There may be a time when ultimately we do bring someone in. Um, but that time was not then. That time is not today. Our business is smoking hot. And so we've been able to make more good decisions than poor decisions. You're never going to get every decision right. But we've been able to avoid uh, anything catastrophic, right? And, you know, hopefully we just keep stacking uh, the good decisions on top of of, of one another. And, and now here we are in a place where we have gone from days of, of darkness to believing that billion-dollar light is around the corner. And if we can build a billion-dollar enterprise business, we will have taken care of our people, and we will have changed the world. And how magical is that? Pretty freaking awesome. I'm excited. I'm just pumped. You know, you're a good motivator. <laughs> thank you. No, listen, thank you. Before we wrap up, what's some final advice you have for the entrepreneurs tuning in you know, I, cause I do think that there's a lot that tune into the show and they want to be just like you. They like your brand. They think you have a cool product. They're like, how do I be like Yanni and just go for it? You know, what kind of advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs kind of considering taking the leap into starting their own business and what's next for lemon perfect? Yeah. So for me, you know, be a sponge podcasts were unbelievably helpful for me and they still are today. Love listening to other entrepreneurs and business leaders. Twitter, incredible. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Free app. 
and you can scroll on your phone and I have so many saves, you know, and, and I, I use that. Uh, subscribe to a few good newsletters in the morning that are applicable to, you know, your business or more macro business, I think is really important. Watch, you know, CNBC or Fox Business News during the course of the day. I mean, I have CNBC on all, all, all day uh, in the background. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, and, and then, and just study, like study and focus on product. I, I think you, you, you know, uh, I've talked a lot about recruiting and retention, but you know, you do have to focus on product um, because product market fit is ultimately really, I mean, that's, <laughs> so, you know, we're obsessive about products, right? I mean, we're obsessive about our flavors. We're obsessive about our packaging, every detail when it comes to our point of sale material, any out of home marketing material, you know, for us, what's next, we want to win tonight. We want to win tomorrow. We want to, you know, continue to prioritize the scoreboard. We want to be a great partner for our distributors. We want to be a great partner for our retailers, our retail, you know, retail uh, outlets um, and try to find magic, you know, through distribution and through, you know, retail relationships. And at the, you know, at the core of it all, we want to serve the American consumer with, with a product that can change the way that, that people drink water and will. And so, you know, we're, we're focused on the core business. We think that focus is, is paramount to scale. We'll look at flavor innovation. We'll look at pack size innovation, but we're going to be really focused on the core product. And, you know, we think that there's really an unlimited upside to, um, to what we're building. That's awesome. Yanni, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story and building Lemon Perfect. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Lee, that was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.